Lord God, we come to you and just lift up these works that you've called us to, these men, these families. We pray for provision, for protection, for open doors. God, we are begging you to move on their behalf for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be back Friday morning. Uh, maybe some of you have been able to take off work. At least I hope you have if you're here. Um, man, it's been great to be with you yesterday morning. Uh, I mean, I just really enjoyed getting us kicked off, and we're going to continue to talk about church planting in this first session. Um, I've got some slides up, a, a picture. Do we get the slides? There we go. Okay, so. This is not an album cover. I, I know it kind of looks like one. That's what I got a lot of jokes sent to me after I shamelessly posted that on social media. Uh, but this was the first trip that we took our kids out to Boston. That's on the North Shore. And um, you can only see half of my face there. If you saw the other half, you would just see the, the grimace of the sheer cold this was in uh, January when we went out there, and this was on a trip to go try to find housing. We were trusting the Lord to find housing in Boston, and, and uh, it's bitter cold. You see my, my kids with the heavy coats on, and, and uh, it was about this time. This trip was so extraordinarily frustrating that I think I was just thinking, like, what if I just took off and just started swimming right here? Like, that water was probably about 28 degrees, you know, with the salination and everything, it keeps everything fluid, and, and I just would've just kept going, because it was a pretty, pretty discouraging trip initially, and God came through right when, right when he needed to come through and prove himself to us, but these are my kids in ministry. I just did this to kind of show you, and the next couple of slides demonstrate that as well. Um, you know, how do we involve our kids in ministry? And so I just took a, I wanted to take a second to show that. That's my daughter, Amelia. The next slide, I think, is uh, Hudson. That's, we had the privilege of baptizing him this year, and um, it's been just a great honor. Both of my kids have made professions of faith since we've been on the field, and both followed him. If you pause right here, this was the very first time that we went out and just kind of did a prayer walk and just praying over some of the neighborhoods that the church building is uh, nearby, and that's right on the Boston University campus. And so they're going with us. They're, we're involving them this way. We are literally bringing them along with us. And this wasn't some idea that I concocted because I'm some old wise sage of a minister. Uh, this is just what I was taught. When I was about their age, my parents would bring me around. We would do old time church visitation. <clears throat> and the guys in our church that were big into evangelism would take us out, and I was a young kid like this, and we'd go door to door and passing out tracts and just evangelizing, and so that's just, it kind of got in my blood into my DNA, and so I want that for my kids. And so the next slide there, that's Hudson. Uh, now what you can't see from that is that we're pretty far away, like he's probably 20, 30 feet away from everybody going out onto the sidewalk as we're all passing out tracks and invitations to church, and this particular one was to a Friends of International event that we had, uh, which the next slide I think shows, and so you'll see them there. Amelia and Hudson were both out with us passing out invitations for this event, and here they are at the event. They're helping us out. Now, they're obviously not in college. 
they can't speak a foreign language, but they can smile and look cute. And I think somebody on the panel yesterday just talked about how valuable it was to bring your kids around and, you know, makes you a little bit less creepy and kind of relatable. And so, um, and they're there, they're there with us. And so I don't have all the answers to that, but I just would highly encourage you, uh, whatever ministry you're doing, involve them in that. And even if it seems untenable, just do it and just trust the Lord. We're gonna talk a lot about that this morning, actually, about how sometimes God redirects us. But I had a question last night as <clears throat> I was in Lee Summit and I heard things went great here. Uh, I was in Lee Summit last night and delivering the same message that I delivered a couple nights ago here. And, and someone asked me that uh, was able to just observe the panel that we had yesterday morning you know, I was surprised that no one asked why Boston, you know, or why Albania, or why whatever. And uh, then we just stared at one another for a couple seconds, like, hmm, that's a good question. And, and so I thought I would just maybe start off, and I think it's a good segue about what we're going to talk about this morning. I really appreciated Jeff's answer uh, from the panel yesterday as he was describing how God called him to Albania. <clears throat> and I think... Uh, the how and why are very related. Uh, the question sort of begs, how do I pick my field? Have you, have you ever wondered that question? Like, where am I supposed to be? What's, my, what's the ideal fit? Like, what's that hand and glove scenario? What keyhole am I supposed to be plugged into? Does God pick that for me? What if I picked wrong? What is so special about X place versus another place? And so yesterday, when Jeff was talking, he mentioned something, and, and I'm going to paraphrase and probably misquote him a little bit, but for my purposes, I'm going to say that he said this, <laughs> that at some point he said, I followed the desires of my heart, and, I, and while he was walking with the Lord, God led, led him. And so that's not to say, and this is not, Jeff wasn't saying that, that uh, you know, God is wired and our relationship with God is wired so that whatever we desire is just what God's gonna, gonna give us. There's, some, there's a theological premise to that, but. So Jeff didn't say, I followed my heart and ended up in Aruba, right? I mean, some, some ski slope, you know, in the Alps. That was my heart, that's what God gave me. And, <laughs> amen, is that what somebody said? <laughs> you know, we're a going fellowship, are we not? And, and rightly so, and so, we're commanded to go, go ye therefore. The life of our Lord compels us to be ambassadors. And Lord willing, you and I, as we are faithful, will put the right landmarks down, will envision the right type of going, and future generations will remain a going fellowship of churches. And, and not just going to go, not just to pick up our own particular causes, our own pet things that we like to do, but with the gospel. And so this morning I want to talk about the idea of trusting God with closed doors and church planting. I think this is a really pertinent idea that we ought to talk about as, as church planters and missionaries and those of you trusting the Lord and just wrestling with him with the idea of what that looks like and where to go and how to get there and, and why a certain field. You know, yesterday, as I was thinking about this, I just started pondering about all the different processes we went through, and, and uh, I, I swear, like with this title, 
church planting when go means no. I'll probably never be invited back to a, a missions conference. Um, you know, with yesterday and all the talk about failure and disappointment and all that. And I hope you're really just getting charged up. Just being called to the field. You know, just we're gonna leave here and just just run up the hill, but I wanted to share with you, I, I believe a truth that God shared with me over the years and has really magnified for my wife and I as we were trusting God to move forward in, in various aspects of our development in life. And so here's the main point for this morning. Learning to trust God with closed doors is an integral part of church planting and missions. Learning to trust God with closed doors is an integral part of church planting and missions. And so we have a godly go culture. And it's godly because it's of the Lord that we go. We're, we're told to do that. It sounds like both Andrew and I spent some time over the last two evenings in the book of Joshua. We didn't coordinate that, but I believe the Lord did. And, and we're, the people all throughout Joshua are commanded just to go, go, go. And, if it's not obvious, if you're here part of our conference, you're probably aware of this. You and I are called to go. Matthew chapter 28 compels us to do that. Acts chapter one and all through the epistles, Paul writes to us, be faithful, do the work of an evangelist. I invite you, if you would, you can turn over to Deuteronomy chapter one. We're just gonna spend a few minutes there this morning and I've got the references up on the board also, but in Deuteronomy one, God's giving the prior generation, the, the generation just prior to Joshua's generation, some instructions to go. They just landed, we're talking about two great bodies of water. The Jordan River, which actually is fairly small, unless it's flooded over with its banks like it was at the time. But then the Great Red Sea, and they just passed over, the prior generation had just passed over the Red Sea, and their God had set them down, and, and there were a couple different options he could have gone, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but he decides to have them cross over the Red Sea, and, and, and now they're in a position to begin marching northward into the Promised Land. And you see, if you wanted to count, you could look at 12 different times in this first chapter of Deuteronomy where that small word, go, shows up. Go, 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 12 different times. And God brings Israel over the Red Sea, and in Deuteronomy chapter one, verse one, these be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan in the wilderness in the plain over against the Red Sea. Verses six through eight, the Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb saying, ye have dwelt long enough in this mount, turn you and take your journey and go to the mount of the Amorites, foreign territory. And unto all the places, skip down to verse eight, behold I have set the land before you, go in and possess the land. This was the command. Verse 21, behold, the Lord thy God hath set the land before thee, go up and possess it. So as I considered my own path of figuring out Boston, trying to consider this, this path, and I think sometimes as pastors and missionaries and church planters, I, we don't try to do this. It's not like we're trying to, you know, go, go to all the world, and we're gonna hide the ball, like, you know, <laughs> like, good luck figuring out what that means, everybody. Like, it's not intentional, but I think sometimes it can appear ambiguous a little bit. And I don't think it is. I think it's actually, I think the path is really clear. It is 
I think multi-layered, and I think it takes patience, and, and I think it takes faithfulness over time. As I considered my own path and many of the things that we went through, one of the big lessons that I know I learned and I know my wife has shared that she learned this as well with me is, is how God's hand over the years and, and through a long period of time moved to correct me, to correct her, to redirect us, and ultimately to lead by closing many, many, many doors just closed. Some of them slammed right in our faces. Some of them look like open doors. We're just about to walk through them and, and they get moved or we don't have the right key to go through that door. And so here's the first point for this morning. You really got to get this down. If you're, if you're truly, honestly considering church planting or missions for your life, you need to understand this, that you can trust God with no. You can trust God with no. We looked a little bit yesterday, and I just gave you a little bit of a preview of Acts chapter 13 where I talked about our path and sort of the biblical model of sending leaders and, and commissioning people from local churches and how Paul and, and those guys, they were just working in the church. And the Holy Spirit saw fit, how? Through the leadership, through the eldership of that church to send them. And so, it says, they were sent by the Holy Ghost. Like the sending of their local church is what did that. And so, now in that process, we didn't talk about how long Paul took in the desert, training and getting sharpened and unlearning a lot of stuff, getting discipled and relearning and taking a couple of those punches to the face, I'm sure, like we talked about yesterday morning. There are a lot of no's that take place in that process of, of being endorsed by the Holy Spirit through the leadership of your local church. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I say you can trust God with no. What I don't mean is that you can trust God with no as therefore an excuse to disengage from the mission. And you gotta get that down. Like, no, and, and, and just being okay with no doesn't mean that you are okay with being complacent. Oh, wow, the door shut here. Well, I'm, I'm checking out then. Ministry just must not be for me. I, I've I had to experience that in my life at one point. I had to wrestle through what that meant. Like, oh, I'm not getting my way in how I think this is supposed to be drawn up. Well, and then God just didn't confirm that to me. I'm just going to go check out and go, go do whatever I want. Many years ago, I told you a little bit about uh, my story yesterday, how I went to law school at probably one of the most bizarre times anybody would have picked to go. And, and as, a, as it was, I was coming through law school, and, and this is not an uncommon career track, right? As I'm coming out of law school, um, I've got sort of, I've got an interest, a pretty large interest, actually. I mean, for many, many, many years, I was like a, just a political geek. I mean, like all the radio talk shows and just everything you can think of and journals and, and uh, debates and all these things. And so I, I thought like, well, God, I think God wants me to be a politician. Like genuinely, truly, I believed that this was of the Lord. I know it's kind of funny, but you know, I, I genuinely, truly believe this to the point. I don't mean just it was just an idea. I had news releases, I had press releases that went out. I had the photo taken. I was in newspapers and and got interviewed by people and, and 
I raised a bunch of money and I was gonna, I'd, I had put my name out there and I was gonna go forward as State Representative Mike Renault of the 33rd District of Missouri. That, that was me. And I've got newspaper clippings at home, you know, of sort of these old, old things. And, and I'd raised all this money and, and uh, man, God just used some circumstances through that whole situation where God changed my heart. And, and the night before, I remember it like it was yesterday, they have this big, big party essentially where you go down to the state capitol and you, you go down with your party in a show of force against the other, the other team, right? You go down and, and you, you sit there for all these big photo ops and you line up with all the other candidates of your, your group and, and uh, governor comes out or whatever and you know, I was meeting everybody, I was meeting senators, I, I met a sitting president and all that. I mean, it was, and I thought for sure, I was going, this is where I was going. And, uh, and God just changed my heart. The night before, I got approached by this real slimy guy and, and, uh, and I, he tried to get me to pull out of the race because he had, he was in the pocket of this, he was a consultant and he, and he, he was getting paid by this other lady, an opponent of mine that I was just gonna smoke I mean, there's just no question in my mind. Um, no offense if you're a grandma. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a grandfather now, but back then, this is old grandma lady, and that there's no, she's got no chance. But, but he was in this lady's pocket and getting paid, and he came and tried to talk me down, and, and we were there toe-to-toe. I had the suit on, big overcoat, and we were there, and, and I backed him down like, man, you, got, you picked the wrong horse. You're going to lose this race. And, uh, and I left there. And by the time I got home, um, I had to really wrestle with God about that decision. And, uh, and I stayed up all night long. And my wife, who, who never saw a career in politics for us, uh, she'd faithfully just stood by me and uh, supported as if she was like, you know, Hillary Clinton. I mean, just there. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry. <laughs> but like the good version, right? Uh, no, I'm sorry, if, that, if that's your political stripe. <laughs> My wife's so special, but, and she stood by me, and, um, and I wrestled all through the night. I, I, I sit in my garage, my unfinished garage, and just sat in this old folding lawn chair in the middle of winter, and, and I'm crying. And just begging God, like, where is this coming from? And, uh, and I get up the next morning, I'm supposed to make the two hour drive to the state capitol and meet up with everybody and, and I don't go, I don't show up. And I stay there and, and, uh, and I'm working through this and all of a sudden I start getting phone calls and you know, high level people and, and, uh, and they're telling me, you're gonna come, you're coming down, you're coming down and, and you've got 30 days after that point you can sign up and there's a whole thing about signing up on the first day because it gets you in the order on the ballot and, I didn't show up and 30 days passed and, and I had some people call and, 
And I decided this isn't for me. If I'm going to put this forth effort, this much effort, this much energy, this the people's resources, if I'm going to give my life and heart to something, I wanted it to be for something that I felt like was going to be worth that effort. And, and so I'm not against politics if you're politically inclined. I mean, God knows we need good, good people in government. But for me, where God spoke to me that night and just through the process of over the years breaking my heart, it had to be to the service of the Lord. And so I wrote a check. We had to go into our own money and I wrote checks back for money that we'd spent, other people had sent to us and, and just gave it all back. Every penny that I'd ever raised and wrote a letter, you know, hey, I know I thought this was of the Lord. Like I'd, I'd wrote in letters, written letters that God had told me to do this and I had to write them all back and say, man, just must have missed this one. Very humbling. Now that didn't mean that I was making a commitment and there wasn't a deal or a trade there that, okay God, I'm gonna give this up because vocational ministry is for me. It just meant that my life was therefore and, and thereafter gonna be bent towards giving everything to God. I mean, whether I ever sat in an office beating out sermons or not, or whether I had to do it on my lunch break in between clients. It didn't matter to me. I was just going to give myself fully over to the ministry of the Lord. And so I began doing what my profession called, and I, and I loved it, and I leaned into my job, and I leaned into my commitment with the Lord at this church here, and, and I continued just to grow under the leadership of the church and the Word of God. And as Jeff said yesterday, I just kept saying yes to the Lord as he led me, and I'd sweep the floor and, and, and fill up the baptismal tank and, and go watch security. And, and it was about this time that my brother Dan, who's over here, he was getting ready to start a church in Lee Summit. And I remember going to the pastors and letting them know, like, in fact, actually I didn't, didn't let them know until after the fact. I went to Dan, we'd, we'd had a conversation about it, and, and I'd committed, and I'd talked to my wife, and, and again, it was... We're going to go help Dan start this church. And it would have been great. It, really, it would have been incredible. Obviously, I love my brother. I've been a part of a church plant here. It would have been just kept rolling and, and practicing law out in the suburbs and, and helping out with the church plant. And I went to our pastors, and I remember Chris and Sam both. They're just like, nah, I don't think that's what you're supposed to do right now. Hey, would you consider like staying here and starting an adult fellowship instead. And it was one of the first times I remember hearing no and thinking like, okay, well, this isn't how I drew it up. And I had to, again, humbly, as I wrote those letters all back, and I had to go back to Dan and be like, you know, <laughs> man, you know that commitment I made to you? And, and so we kept growing in the faith, and, and God told me no. And I just leaned into what God's Spirit said through the pastors of our church here and just kept growing and just got a lot of experience pastoring people as they were growing in the ministry and counseling and preaching. And it was about this time I remember my wife decided that we were going to take a vacation. I told you yesterday just how difficult sort of this period of my life was. Well, this was like the first vacation, like a real vacation we'd taken in about five years. And, uh, and she knew I loved history and politics and all that stuff. And, but she also knew I just walked away from it. And, and I'll be honest, there's never been a day since then where I've been tempted, like, oh, maybe 
maybe I'll go back to that. Like, I just never even had the notion to do it. It was like, you know, just quit cold turkey and just the taste of it's just like, in fact, when people talk to me about it today and they, they know sometimes my background, they always ask me, like, what do you think about this guy? And I'm just like, you know, just, I mean, it doesn't matter, like, what, what flavor, brand, it's just, I don't, I don't even like to talk about it anymore. And, but we're out there, and she loves it, and I love history, and never been to the Northeast, and so we visited Boston, and, and God just began breaking my heart about seeing the people there, and, and the nations coming to Boston, and just the, the thriving nature of humanity, and how it's reaching out all through the, that six-state area of New England, and, and so I prayed, and I remember I prayed the sort of innocuous prayer, God, would you just send somebody here, and that was it, I, I'm not being cheeky about it. It really, I didn't think I was praying about me. It was just like a prayer of of passion. Man, Lord. And I looked at all the churches around and everybody's just, you know, waving their rainbow flags and everybody's got two and three, you know, lead, senior lead pastor, female lead pastors, if not homosexual. And, and just, and, and I'm not talking about the crazy branches of churches. I mean, Baptist churches and Protestant churches and, and you can, and let alone a, a, a Bible-believing church that stands on the authority of Scripture, like our flavor is just like non-existent there. And so, just prayed about it. that. Was it? Put it on the shelf, and and what would you know? Like a couple of months later, I meet Pastor Eric May from New Hampshire in that lobby right outside the doors there, and uh, we're just literally bumping into each other, and and he invites me to come back to New England. What, why'd you leave? Well, you know should come back if the vacation was so fun. And so, man, fast forward, I don't have all the time this morning, but four trips later, and God has my heart now firmly gripped and given over to this field. And that's it. I mean, there's a whole lot of details in between there, but God kept growing my heart. And I remember calling Pastor Sam once from this one near final trip that we took, and I just told him, just confess, I'm not sure what this is about, but I think God's supposed to, I think I'm supposed to be here. I think God's calling me out here. And my heart was beginning to align with God's heart for Boston. And so I confirmed it with our pastoral team over time. And then we began to make plans. And some plans got shut down. But I was a little bit more accustomed to hearing no now. And so we'd make more plans. And, and some of those plans got shut down. And, and sometimes we didn't make plans. And God would come through for us. And remember one time, and some of you, many of you probably have heard this story, we got lost on a train Right, just a big fat no, and, I, and this trip was just bound to go into like, I mean just over the cliff at this point, because if you remember, I don't know, Chris, Chris Best was there, and Dan, and Jeff Grasher, and, and I, I had no plans because it was like trial season, and, and so I brought these pastors out with me, and zero, I mean we literally landed on the tarmac at the airport, and and they're like, no, no, come on, seriously, what's the plan? I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> so we pray right there. Like at the terminal. Not before we left, after we landed in Boston. I'm just like, God help. <clears throat> and we get lost on the train. I'm thinking like, yeah, this is, the, this is, the, this is, another, this is gonna be a big no here. Like, there's no way they're going to endorse me to handle this part of the country. And we got lost on a train, and a block later, 
we find the church that we're still meeting at today. By, by no design, by us, no, no plans. We literally walk a block from where we got lost, getting off of the wrong train stop, and a church building shows up, and we walk inside, and they, they offer to rent us this building for literally, at the time, pennies on the dollar. We went out on that trip, that, that trip where we were overlooking the ocean. I remember we got outbid by so many people looking at homes. I mean, crazy amounts of money being thrown around, and we just didn't have that, and just no after no. And I remember at the end of this big trip that we were planning and trusting the Lord for, I sent back a message, and, and I don't know if the tenor of this message got captured by the pastors at the time, but I was just desperate on this trip, I, like, I don't know how we're gonna do this. Like, we don't have this kind of money. I'm convinced God's supposed to have us here, but we're getting shut down everywhere. God said no to buying at the time, and so we switched gears to rent. <clears throat> and we have kids under six years old, and so in Massachusetts, if you have kids under six years old, you are legally prohibited from living in a house that's not deleted. And of course, every building in, New Ham or in Massachusetts is like 500 years old. And so nobody spends the money to de-lead de their homes there. And so now our, this swath of properties available to us has been reduced by, I'm not kidding, about 95%. Big no. I mean, affordability, options, location, and we just keep trusting God and, and moving forward until the very, literally the last day, we, we end up getting a, a lease and we sign papers for a place and later finding out that it was a location where the pastors had, we literally physically prayed over four houses away from this place about a year and a half before. I had no idea, I was just looking through, scrolling through photos and it just popped out like, wait. Just like in Acts chapter 16, we're not going to turn over there, but if you know that story, Paul and the guys were going through and they're trying town after town and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit prevented them. And we, and we don't see all the details of how, but it finally stuck in Macedonia of all places and this businesswoman's prayer meeting. And, and you can ask our missionaries that are here, you can talk to me, one of our original launch team members here, Brooks in the back, you can ask her, and she'll tell you, we'll, we'll tell you that you hear no a lot in the process of, of being a church planter, going on mission. We say things like, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this thing for the Lord. And then, man, oh, no, you're not. People don't cooperate. Weather doesn't cooperate. Buses are, are slow. They get shut down. Remember one time we're out there and and there's several different colors of lines, blue line, green line, orange line, and, and uh, this was right in the beginning of COVID, you know, when everyone's just like, Rah. and some, some yahoo thought it would be just really funny to lick one of the doors on the orange, just one car of the orange line system, which is like, I don't know, 20 different trains going on this line, and and so Boston decides to shut down the entire system, the entire public transportation system because it had been rumored that one person licked the door of one of the trains. And so, so you just never know what's gonna cause a no. I know, it's kind of, it's my field. 
we are so better at you than following rules. That's, that's what we, but freedom. Point number two is this, sometimes no is after our failure in faith. So you look at the story in Deuteronomy chapter one, and of course you probably know the story from Joshua. These guys failed big time. Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 32, here's their unfortunate response. Yet in this thing ye did not believe the Lord with your God. They sent the spies out, then they ended up failing in faith. And verse 34, and the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land. Middle of verse 37, thou also shalt not go in thither. And they go on and you see they try to act presumptuously. They go on and they try to, try to do it anyway. And Oh, I just lost my computer here. So they try to go on anyway. I'm gonna have to read from the notes in the back. And, And God has to shut them down. He, he prevents them and he keeps them from going into the land, right? Exodus chapter 13, though, but sometimes, sometimes, and I hope this is more often the case, but sometimes God will say no. Sometimes God will say no, and it's not necessarily a rap on the hand. It's not you getting chastised by the Lord. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way, right? Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 through 18. This was way before. Remember I told you there were a couple different options. They could have gotten into the promised land. And God says here in Exodus chapter 13, and it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. He could have just taken them up the delta path, right? Now why? For God said, he, he knows where we are lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness and the Red Sea. So sometimes God's leading is not because we've messed up, not because we failed in faith, but it's because he wants to protect us. He wants to protect us. And his covering, his hand is upon us. Guys, you're gonna have to help me in the back because my computer blacked out here, but his hand is to protect us, it's to lead us. And so here's a key point you need to get down. <clears throat> if we're able to hear God's well-placed no answers, or if we're not in our lives, then we will not be aware when he's trying to tell us yes. We're not gonna be aware of that. Can you guys hit to the next slide? Sometimes no is God's gentle and protective and leading hand on our lives. Sometimes this is how God, oh, thank you, John. This will help me quite a bit. You guys have the next slide. I think it's with the image of, uh, yeah, so you're not gonna be able to see this, but okay, so, so this was a, a, we did an area study of Boston, and this was just a small part of what we did, and, and what I did here is I mapped out every town that I, I was praying about considering location. And on this list, if you looked at it real close, you could see how far in mileage away it is and then how far away it is time-wise driving from the church to these towns and then how far it is by public transportation. And there's also an aspect that we looked at this, how far would it be from the public schools or the, or the colleges, the universities? 
And so we were attempting to just do our best job to plan strategically to reach the people that God had called us to. But God kept shutting door after door after door until he put us right, exa- I mean, we've made all the plans in the world and God, you could just put a red line, no, 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 all through that until God said, here's where I wanted for you right here, just, just trust me. It was painful. I remember that text I sent back and tearfully just crying out to God and, man, Lord, are you sure this was for me? And So point number four, failing to trust God with no regardless of the reason, it's presumptuous. If God's told you no, whether that's through the pastor of your church or through the word of God or the leading of the Holy Spirit, don't presume upon God and then go out and, and try to then say, just like the Israelites did, oh, we want to follow the word of the Lord now. We're going to go. And then, you see how that passage ended in Deuteronomy chapter 1? So the Amorites came and chased them around like bees. Have you ever been there where God told you to do something and, and you rejected him, you rebelled, and, and so, but now you want to do it, and God's saying, not, not yet, man. You, you, there's some growing that needs, clearly. No, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm ready now. And then, man, you're just chasing your tail all over the place, and... Our last point for this morning is this, and we'll we'll close and bring the guys up here for the panel. Learning to be comfortable with no will bring peace in the rough terrain that will be your mission field. If we're gonna take on territory that's not the Lord's right now, you gotta know it's gonna be hostile territory, and you're gonna be told no sometimes for things that we need correction for, sometimes out of mercy and God's grace, to lead us, and you got to be comfortable. Learn to be comfortable now with hearing no. I realize in our culture, many of us were never told no as children. And so when you're told no by your pastors, by your ministry leaders, by your disciplers, ugh, I'm gonna take my ball and go home now. I'm out of here, I'm checking out. Ministry must not be for me. Following God must not be for me. And get comfortable with it. Get comfortable recognizing that God leads through the closed door. And it'll help you when you see the right and perfect opportunity. When God presents it to you, you'll know, oh, this is clearly of the Lord. Thank you, God, for the no answers in my life. Amen? Amen. All right.